and the day came that we redeemed Jerusalem. And we have dug into its dirt, and we have walked the path. And so we have seen the gates of Huldah. They are still locked. And behold, the mighty stones the Roman legions threw downward, covering the gates for 1,800 years. But they are there before our eyes. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 176. By the river of Jerusalem, I'm Mayor Soloveitcher. Even in Israel, where archaeological discoveries are an everyday occurrence, a recently unveiled one cannot fail to awe. And like so many others, it was discovered by accident. In 2004, a drainage link in Jerusalem, directly south of the Temple Mount, led to the uncovering of an ancient staircase. The steps matched in architectural detail and design, steps that abutted the original southern ancient entryways of the Temple complex itself. The two sets of stairs, archaeologists realized, were linked and they had chanced upon a road leading up to the temple. Now, the city of David has opened what has been dubbed the Pilgrimage Road, on which Jews 2,000 years ago would have walked as they came from around the world to visit the temple in Jerusalem during the central festivals of the Jewish faith. As I explained in the Wall Street Journal, to walk on this road is to follow in the footsteps of Jews that were obeying a biblical commandment. Deuteronomy obligates Israelites to stand in the presence of God three times a year during the holidays of Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Rabbinic texts abound with descriptions of the processions that occurred, and the road parallels these details in an exquisite way. For example, one large stone on the side of the thoroughfare, which seems to have no structural purpose whatsoever, can, as many have explained, be understood through an ancient Talmudic reference to an Evan Hatoain, a stone of claims. This was an ancient form of lost and found, upon which one who had dropped an object amidst the throngs of pilgrims would stand and shout to Jerusalem's visitors in the hope that what was lost would be returned. Once perhaps a prosaic place of proclamation, the stone now seems to embody the site itself, once hidden and now uncovered, as well as the city of Jerusalem, once lost to the Jewish people, now returned. As I further wrote, the road offers visitors a unique experience in Jerusalem allowing them to understand how differently it was experienced geographically in temple times. Today, one often walks toward the Temple Mount from the western portion of the city, so that one descends as one approaches. But the temple pilgrimage was meant to be an aliyah, an ascending, a journey to a spiritual summit. To tread ever upwards toward where the temple once stood is to understand why the hundreds of thousands of visitors in the ancient city would have sung the psalms, Shir Hamalot. The Song of Ascents, which proclaims, I rejoice when they said unto me, Let us go unto the house of the Lord. To walk there is to understand what Jerusalem meant to those Jews and why it remains a beacon to the Jewish world today. And the conclusion of the prophecies of Ezekiel allow us to understand a new dimension to the mindset of those who once walked there. In the absolutely exquisite ending of Ezekiel, the prophet beholds a vision of a spring of healing waters emerging from the temple and streaming forth from Jerusalem throughout the land of Israel. Chapter 47, verse 1, Ezekiel describes the conclusion of the tour given to him of the temple that is yet to be by an ethereal being. Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward, for the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under, from under the right side of the house, the south side of the altar. Then he brought me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the outer gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the south side. 
Water is coming out from the temple. With the Holy of Holies sitting in the west, the water runs from out of its epicenter to the east entrance of the house and then proceeds, in Hebrew, out hakatef hayimanit, rendered by commentators from the south end of the Temple Mount. This stream becomes a river teeming with life, proceeding southward from Jerusalem to the desert, and then it does nothing less than turn the Dead Sea into a living sea. Verse 6, And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Then he said unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed. And everything shall live whither the river cometh. As many commentators explain, Ezekiel is referring all the way back to the story of a city that was once in the region of what is now the Dead Sea. Sodom. It had been a city of agricultural abundance, and it was rendered salt and sulfur. With waters proceeding from the Temple Mount, the land will be healed, and the sin in the sacred soil suddenly sanctified, cleansed. Of course, Ezekiel's vision has yet to occur. The Dead Sea today is still the Dead Sea. But we can understand what might have been going through the minds of the pilgrims ascending to the Temple Mount during the festivals. For the southern end of the mount was the primary entrance of Israelites at this time. It was on the aforementioned pilgrimage road through which they would have entered. The rabbis recount that in the original pre-Herodian Second Temple, the southern side had two entrances, while most sides of the temple complex had only one. This, no doubt, was to accommodate the streams of visitors on the southern end. If you visit the city of David, you will see the site of the celebrated source of water in the sacred city during the Second Temple period, known as the Pool of Shiloach, the water of Siloam, which was adjacent to the beginning of the pilgrimage road. Thus, Rabbi Yitzchak Levi reflected, Why are there two gates to the south, while in each of the other direction there is only one gate? The answer is that the city of David is to the south of the Temple Mount. The traditional way of entering the Temple Mount from the days of the First Temple was from the south. Therefore, two gates were needed. We note that the Shiloach Pool in the south of the city, played an important role with respect to ritual purity and for washing. Therefore, crowds of people would climb up from there to the Temple Mount at times of pilgrimage to the Mount, using the roads whose remains have been found to the south of the city of David. End quote. We can therefore surmise, ladies and gentlemen, that those seeing the pool of Shiloach would dream of the water that would one day stream forth from that site. To this, we can add another point. The southern entrance to the Temple Mount was known as Shar Chulda, the Chulda Gate. For this, two explanations have been given. A chulda in the Bible is some sort of borrowing creature, and the primary way of entering from the south was to enter the sacred structure at the bottom of the edifice, proceeding inside the Temple Mount itself, ultimately ascending in the open air. That is one possible explanation for the name. But as we have seen, chulda was also the name of a female prophet who lived at the end of the First Temple period. According to the rabbis, chulda lived and taught near the Temple Mount proclaimed her prophecies near the Temple Mount. And it is this female prophet for whom the gates of the southern side of the Temple Mount are named to this day. Recall that the righteous king Josiah, having come upon a Torah scroll and realizing the doom that may descend on Jerusalem, seeks a message of salvation. Chulda informed Josiah that though he, the king, would not live to see the destruction, nevertheless, destruction was assured. Josiah responds by embarking on a penitential movement to save the city. 
but he does not achieve his goal. The Southern Temple Mount is thus a site of dreams deferred, but also the place where pilgrims proclaim their love of the house of God. And it is from the southern end of the Temple Mount, we are told, from which the waters of hope will one day proceed, vindicating the faith, love, and longing of all those who stood there, all those who entered there, all those who sang there, all those who ascended from there. To come to the south side of the Temple Mount is to commune with so many worshipers of generations past, but it is also in envisioning Ezekiel's prophecy to ponder what is yet to be fulfilled. When I was with my family in Israel Sukkot, we climbed the steps of the southern side of the Temple Mount. Today, in what is the Herodian extension of that site, there are many entrances on the south side, a double arch and then three doors known as the Triple Gate. The entrance of the southern side of the current mount is also known as the Gate of Chulda, though, truly, that entrance would lead to where the gate once was. But when you come to the south side today, you see that all the gates are walled shut. Jews are not allowed to enter and openly celebrate Sukkot at the locus of Ezekiel's vision. Were we able to enter those doors and to proceed in the complex, as Jews did in the Second Temple era, we would reach the original Gate of Chulda and walk in the footsteps of the First Temple seer. Thus, Rabbi Levi further tells us, quote, The double and the triple gates are external gates in the expansion wall built by Herod around the original Temple Mount. Through a series of stairs, they lead to the original Chulda gates, which are north of the royal colonnade, a large and impressive public structure which stood at the southern end of the Temple Mount during the end of the Second Temple era. End quote. The gates at the south of the Temple Mount remain shut for now. But nevertheless, even to stand there is to bind oneself to the myriad of Jews that once streamed in pilgrimage to the house of God. In the speech of Menachem Begin that we have previously mentioned, his eulogy for the murdered Jews of his hometown of Brisk, Begin recalled his brethren's love of the temple and how they imagined what it was like when pilgrims marked the holidays there. According to the rabbis, Though the city was filled then with hundreds of thousands of Jews, no one complained of overcrowding. Begin understood this as a further expression of how joyful the Jews were to experience this pilgrimage. I am unsure how many other political leaders in Israel would have known of and spoken of the Gate of Chulda, but Begin, speaking in 1972, five years after the Six-Day War, knew exactly the connection to the temple that it embodied. Reflecting on the souls of his fellow Jews of his hometown of Brisk, Begin said, quote, We will remember their love and sanctify it just as we merited to free the land of Israel and redeem Jerusalem. And the priests and the people standing in the courtyard of the temple, this was the prayer they recited. And the day came that we redeemed Jerusalem, and we have dug into its dirt and we have walked the path, and so we have seen the gates of Chulda. They are still locked. And behold, the mighty stones the Roman legions threw downward, covering the gates for 1,800 years but they are there before our eyes. Recalling your prayers in the synagogue over 50 years ago, standing there by the southern wall, you can see in your mind's eye the gates of Chulda and the masses of people flocking through them. And Begin added, they ascended to the gates of Chulda through the courtyard and the women's courtyard, and you can see it as if it were just yesterday. End quote. So Begin spoke of all that the entrance at the southern end of the Temple Mount embodied, and he reminds us thereby that only a loyalty to those Jews that for centuries dreamed of streaming into the gates of Chulda, can bring us ultimately to a time when a healing stream will proceed out of the gate of Chulda. The final verses of the book of Ezekiel depict Jerusalem restored, with gates named for the twelve tribes, and the book's final phrases describe a city that reminds all the world of God's presence amongst his people. As Ezekiel puts it, the name of the city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. 
We await this moment, and we long for a time when the entire Jewish people will enter the gate of Chulda once again. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.